Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and distinguished listeners of Navigate with I.D. Such an honor and privilege to be with you today. What a time, what a presence. I'm grateful to God for the gift of life. And I'm also grateful to God for your life too. The fact that you and I can wake up, we can smile, we can eat, we can sleep, we can drink. It's all glory to his name. Friends, we've been looking at a very beautiful subject within the ambit of how to deal with people. And that subject has been the subject of interviews. Interviewing is a necessary and a sufficient condition for doing several things. We started by looking at the art and science of being interviewed. Whether some of us come out terrorized or feel triumphant. And we moved within the space of that to discuss certain dimensions that come with the interviewee. In the last edition on Tuesday, we looked at switching tables by going to the other side, which basically speaks to the interviewer. And one of the things I said unequivocably is that every single one of us has that toga of an interviewer. We have the responsibility of sitting as interviewers every time, every space in our lives. I accentuated this by saying that it is not given to journalists alone to interview. It is not given to hiring managers, that is, people that hire you for a job or a role or a cast, to be the ones to interview alone. That every single human being at the stage of maturity must go through the process of being an interviewer. So if you are a parent, you need to know how to interview your children, your boy, your girl. If you are a guardian, same thing applies. Even with your spouse, you all play the roles of interviewers. And taking it from there, looking at your community, look at it, looking, in, looking into your community, looking into the space where you may call your vocation or profession, at one time or the other, you would find yourself as an interviewer. The art of the interview comes because there is a gap. You and I know that the process of questioning elicits a good listening ability. So, as an interviewer, you are seeking to close a particular gap. What is that gap? It's a gap of knowledge. The knowledge about the subject in question. So, for example, you are a father or a mother. You want to know how your child is faring. What do you do? You go to school. You spend some time with the teacher to find out how your ward or child is performing. Or the indicators could have been the grades that have come through. That is, if you are the type of parent that waits till the end of the year or end of term. But if you are a parent that notices certain signs, you would have started the process of even calling your boy or girl to a certain space of questioning. And then you begin to probe. That probing is a process of interviewing. You are probing to find out but today, many parents don't probe. They don't interview because they are absent. They're not even present at, at, the, at the very least. And so we just leave the art and science of interviewing to some other person and see it more as something that happens on television, on radio, or as recorded in the press. Because journalists are the ones given to run interviews. Or better still, if you're going for a job interview, you apply for a particular role or a job or a position, you are preparing for the interview. 
Friends, when people talk about how to handle an interview, the presumption is always that you are the candidate. But in truth, I think being the interviewer is just as testing as being the interviewee. And it is important when you are interviewing, it's because there's a gap to fill, like I said. If you fail to fill the gap, you are an incompetent manager. Underline those two words, incompetent manager. The essence of interviewing is to fill a gap, a knowledge gap about the subject in question. Now, if you shift this within the role or a job and you are not able to fill the gap of knowing the other person who you are about to employ, you will then fill the gap with the wrong person and you will have trouble in your establishment. Your establishment could be your immediate space, could be your home. For example, you want to hire a driver and you do not interview the driver appropriately. You want to hire a nanny, you do not ask the appropriate questions. You will end up filling that gap with the wrong person and you will have yourself to blame. In like manner, if you are in a business concern, either as a human resource personnel, or you are an executive, or you are the owner of the business, or you are the CEO, or executive, the director, whatever title or position you hold, if you fail to fill the gap, you are incompetent in that regard, and you would end up filling the gap with the wrong person equally. Most interviewers love talking about their business and they rationalize this on the grounds that the candidate needs to know. So when you go into some interviews or you go in for some interviews, you'll find the interviewer talking a lot about their business. They are trying to sell the business to you. They want you to come over. And as they tell you so much about their company and now the proud and beautiful things they are doing or have done, they are filling your own gap of knowledge or trying to woo you. The only thing they enjoy more is talking about themselves. But I'll tell you, that's all an egocentric waste of time. Fast forward to our current scenario in Nigeria. We are in a political season, a season where most of the gladiators or contestants, whether at state, at um, federal, whatever level, they love talking about themselves. They love talking about everything they do and nothing about the people they want to serve. They rationalize this on the grounds that you need to know what they have done. This whole process with our political gladiators, leaders, or prospects, or aspirants, as whatever title they want to give themselves, it's all an egocentric waste of time. Your job is not there to talk. It's not there to sit down in confidential whispers, fighting on WhatsApp, fighting on Facebook and social media, defending one, defending the other. You would spend that time doing better by listening in and knowing what to say and how to ask the right questions. In summary, you are not there to talk. You are there to find out. That means you are asking questions, not speech-making. If every Nigerian will ask the right questions, some of these political aspirants will stammer because they will not have answers. If you talk more than you listen, you will learn nothing about the candidate. Many of us are not listening. We're not listening to the sound of the drums and the instruments that are coming out from the supposed vessel. But we talk more than we listen. And if you talk more than you listen, you will learn nothing about the candidate. The candidate in this respect can be the politician vying for president, governor, and what have you. The candidate in this respect could be your driver. The candidate in this respect could be your nanny. It could be your laundryman. Could be a staff you want to hire to fill a role within the sales department. 
or an executive assistant you need. Could be a production or technician that you need. Could be a production manager or a quality assurance manager. The candidate could be anybody because you need that person to come fill a gap. The best thing for you is to talk less and listen more. Because many times, in a bid to convince the interviewee, the interviewer talks so much to fan the embers and make you come over. And in the process, you end up not doing the right thing. Now, what comes out of it is the fact that the interviewee will learn something about the interviewer and will look at you as being self-important to be taken seriously. So my real counsel to you guys, don't lecture. You will find yourself in the process of trying to interview or ask questions. Stop lecturing. Just ask and listen. The big question is, what questions should you ask? The best way to resolve this, friends, is the fact that you need to be clear about what you want to learn. So what do you want to learn about this man you want to hire as a driver? About this woman you want to hire as a nanny? About this painter you want to hire as your own personal or vocational decorator? What do you want to learn about this manager you want to hire to come and serve you in your business? What do you want to learn from this man or this woman or those people who are parading themselves in this electioneering season? What do you want to learn? Inconveniently, what you want to learn is how well they will do the job you need to feel. But that's the one thing you'll never know because we cannot predict the future. So get it straight up that you and I, regardless of what we do, we cannot predict the future. So what do you need? You need to find as much circumstantial evidence as you can. Unfortunately, very unfortunately, we live in an era where fake news is more preponderant than the real news. And people make it a point of duty to slice and dice information, mutate videos, distort information, throw out stuff in the vehicle called social media or the airwaves. And many people swallow who climb and sinker. And they call this evidence. No, you must be better than that. Imagine if you have to go to a pool. You know, it's very interesting because we are, this is a business school on radio. And we are going to be looking at this subject of interview, the art of interview, across the spectrum. Gone are the days when, you know, you have outsourcing companies. They still exist. And by the way, outsourcing is a, is a big deal anyway. It's another way of transporting your problem into someone's hands so that they can manage that problem for you. What do I mean? You find a lot of customer service representatives not necessarily working for the business. Why? They want to cut costs. And so they get a customer service company organization to outsource and they outsource that to them. So they hire all their customer service reps. So you walk into a bank, for instance, and you see a lady at the counter reading customer service. She's not an employee of that bank. She works probably with the outsourcing company. And that outsourcing company is called Akonjo Incorporated. They are the ones that Akonjo, and in the process, they will present you with 10 people. You will tell them, I need two men or two women with these skills. Do they have time to interview? Good question. Yes, they do. But many times, it's like periwinkle. Have you ever gone to the market to buy periwinkle? My part of the world, periwinkle is a delicacy. We call it MFI. MFI. It's a very serious title. Because when you put periwinkle to your mouth and you have to draw it out, 
it needs some little work or exercise. But what is my analogy of the periwinkle? If you go to the market to buy periwinkle, the woman selling periwinkles will not start the sorting there. She will just pack everything into one bowl and, you know, give you what you want. When you get home, you don't just move the periwinkle straight into your pot of stew or your pot of soup. You have to break some parts and take out the unsavory part. There are some dead parts. You need to be some cleaning. It's called cleaning because you also want it to be fresh. It's seafood in a way. And so you need to get to work by chopping off the back end and a bit of the front end. And then you need to soak it in water, wash it very well, put in some salt, and then put it on the fire to boil. At some point, you transfer it and it makes your afang soup or a dikayankong or whatever delicacy you're cooking becomes real. Now, in some cases, some people need to remove the periwinkle from the shell. Some other cases, if you are having a special delicacy, they will have to leave the periwinkles there because they show the type and class of what you're enjoying. That's what we enjoy from my part of the world. There are delicacies. You can't beat it. So in the same vein, uh, talents. When you outsource and you throw them out to an outsourcing company, they will take them as a But do they go through the rigor of giving you a perfect finish, a perfect, almost perfect finish by interviewing these people you want? Do they ask the questions? Do they put them in a space where these guys are going to be customer service reps? Let us train them well. I do not think so. But what happens? They bring them through. I'm putting this on the table because I said to you that if you want to learn how well it is done or how, if they will do the job that you need to feel, one thing you'll never know is how to predict that future. So you need to find as much circumstantial evidence as you can. What is this circumstantial evidence? The process of interviewing elicits an opportunity for you to talk less and listen more. In that whole process, you are able to ask them about what they've done in their previous career or in the career they expect, which might be relevant to your vacancy. If you look at the pool of outsourcing companies, do they really spend time to go through the process of asking or pruning? Do they? I leave you to answer. Because at the end of the day, the quality of talents that are transferred to organizations, they get so disappointingly bad when an issue arises and they, the company now says you need to sack X or sack Y. And they don't waste time in getting those people out of their saddle. In fact, if you check, they normally give them a, a two-week moratorium, two weeks notice or an instant notice, especially if a crime is committed. That one is instant dismissal. So why are we having what we are having? Because of the failure of understanding the place and the art of interview. In like manner, you can talk about your family, your home, your step, you can also talk about your community. So you need to ask questions. If anybody is vying for the president, the chairman, the treasurer, the publicity secretary of your professional association, of your community, I mean, where you live, you know, they have a state chairman, they have a state treasurer, all of those, you need to ask them, sir, what have you done in your previous? life or your career which will put you in good stead to sit into this encourage them to give specific relevant examples not to talk generally about their career this is what we need to do with our aspirants to offices whether as members of house of rep or state house of representative or governorship or presidential forget all their layabouts called fans or whoever their party See, party men are party flats. Do you know why? Contracts are given to party men. 
when you see a man come on the television or come on radio and he says, I'm a member of this party and he's blatantly lying right before your eyes, you know that person is not someone to be taken seriously. You know why? He's doing all of this because if, that is IF, if for any reason his candidate ever wins, he will record that portion of the video and go to him and say, I supported you. And that will be his own appendix to the contract when they ask them to tar a certain road, one kilometer of the road between Okwebi and Ikeja, two kilometers. They will put in, bring in a certain mushroom company headed by them, and all of a sudden, they will be awarded the contract to pacify or make them happy because they are party men. You and I, as professionals, will never be given an opportunity. See, I have had the privilege of speaking to very seasoned experts in construction business. And one of such was my boy. I was with him day before yesterday in his house with his wife. And we're talking about business, the economy and all. And he said to me, I did the construction industry is, is going, you know, it's not doing well. I said, not, yeah, you can't say so, sir. I beg to disagree. And he said, let me tell you something. Majority of what you see out there is just a smoke screen. And I said, with the advent of real estate and all that happening, and a lot of construction happening here and there, he said, go and check. Those things, when you go and vie for those jobs as real individuals, there are other people that are put on the line. They are stage-gated and put in there so that they can give the jobs to their cronies or whatever. And all of these guys are self-serving. And they mark up so well that you will just look inferior and you will never get the job. That's why a lot of contracts, a lot of projects are haphazardly done. Those are the people that enjoy the spoils of getting their candidate into the office. That's why they will say all they will say on radio, television, and in the press. They are, you know, I don't know how best to put it, but I listened to uh, Charles on um, Classic FM this morning with Bokola and uh, Ifai. He made a fantastic point. He said that politicians are very good when they are campaigning in poetry. But when it comes to the time they get the job, they get into prose. They are very poetic. They serve you with all kinds of endearments. But when they get into office, they start telling you stories of why they can't. From assuring you to telling you that you have to eat Agbado, all kinds of evil stories will come just to pacify you. So that's why you need to ask. You are the interviewer, friends. If they are good, they will talk about what they have done in a way, not what they've done 30, 20 years ago, what they've done recently, which focuses on your needs. You can't hire an engineer for your business. And he will tell you 15 years ago, he used to build um, a construction site or he was part of those that built a certain place. So what happened in the last 15? If you don't ask those questions, you cannot focus on your needs. And if that engineer you want to hire keeps talking endlessly about his past, if that driver you want to hire keeps talking about his past, if that nanny you want to hire keeps talking endlessly about her past, without linking that to your problems today, be very worried. And in like manner, if that politician, whether presidential aspirant, governorship aspirant, House of Rep aspirant, uh, State House of Reps aspirant, those ones we don't even bother about checking. It's just the flag. You don't even know what character is behind the throne. We just vote party and we vote logo. And all kinds of characters go into the State House to make laws and we turn around as citizens are expecting a miracle, which won't come. But if you focus on the ones that you are seeing and they talk endlessly about their past without linking that to your challenges and problems today, be very wary. I say, and I repeat, be very wary.
You cannot hire an accountant who is going to talk endlessly about his past without linking to the problem your business is facing today. Will you hire him? The answer is no. So be a good interviewer. Don't talk too much, but listen. You will learn a lot more about your candidates. But when you talk more than you listen, you will learn nothing about the candidate. That is the key to one of the keys, I beg your pardon, to the art of the interview, because it's about sitting on the other side of the table. When we come back on the second half, we'll pick it up from there and we go into other aspects that will make us see why you and I must be great interviewers and we must take on the skill and see it as important and not leave it to believing that it's only journalists and people that hire for jobs. No, every mature adult is an interviewer because you are trying to fill a gap that you do not know about. We'll be right back, friends. Let's pay some bills. God bless. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends and distinguished listeners. This is Navigate with IDNANG. It's a business school on radio where we try to bring to life the practical aspects of business, of life, our careers, jobs, and what it entails to be able to sit in a place where we can make meaningful exchanges of what we have, our talent, our skills, our resources, and all in all, we make ourselves very productive. In this particular edition, we're building on what we've always talked about in previous editions, albeit in varied dimensions, and it's really about how to deal with people. And in the last couple of minutes, we've been looking at the art of interviews and interviewing, and basically pointing to ourselves that we must see ourselves first and foremost as interviewers and not necessarily always seeing ourselves as interviewees and not abrogating the right to interview to journalists and hiring managers alone. And so we went on that to talk about some of the intricacies that come through in the process of interviewing, especially if you are sitting on this side of the fence as an interviewer. The tendency is that when you meet people who want to sit in the space of interviewers, they try to lure you by talking about their business. They rationalize it on the grounds that you, the candidate, you need to know a lot about them so they can bring you over. And that's exactly what happens because they enjoy more talking about themselves. But friends, I said, that's all an egocentric waste of time. You, as a person that is being spoken to or being interviewed, you're not there to talk. You are there to find out. So switch tables. Become the interviewer. Become someone that will ask questions, not making speeches. And the questions must come well. And so we said, what type of questions should you ask? And to make sure that you are clear and to resolve it, you need to know about what you want to learn. And I said, you need to ask about what this person you want to hire has ever done in their previous career, which might be relevant to your vacancy. You need to encourage them to give specific examples, not to talk generally about their career. If you give it to some candidates, they'll come there and swing you with all manner of sweet talk. Especially politicians, they'll sweet talk you. They are very good in poetry, but when they come in, they'll turn into prose. They'll tell you stories. If they are good, they will talk about what they have done in a way which focuses on your needs. And if they continue to talk endlessly about their past without linking that to your problems, hey, that's a red flag. Be very worried. Be very, very wary of that. And so what is the next thing or question you should ask? You need to ask them why they want the job. So you want to hire a driver. You want to hire a nanny. You want to hire a carpenter to come sort out certain things within the new house you're building. So you have two or three carpenters or carpentry firms or even decorators to hire. You should ask them why they want the job. 
the good ones will tell you what they like about the job you're offering. So a good nanny will tell you about what they enjoy about the job you're offering. A good driver will tell you about what he likes about the job you're offering. The opportunity. The bad ones will go on and on about what they dislike about the job they are leaving. This is something you find very preponderant. When you are interviewing someone for a job, you can tell the wheat from the chaff. Number one, if you are interviewing somebody and it goes on, this person goes on and on about what they dislike about the job, the same job they are interviewing for, and the same job they were or are in that they are living, and that person goes on and on. That's a red flag. That one is a bad egg. But to see one that you can really mold into either to boil that egg, to make an omelet, that gives you an opportunity that comes there to say, listen, I'm like an egg, sir. I love driving. I love the fact that my principal, you know, would have an opportunity, you know, to entrust in me, his life, his family, and everybody. And so I want to be seen as a steward. I like driving because I see myself first and foremost as a steward. That tells you that man really knows why he has the, he loves the job of a chauffeur. He wants to serve. And he has chosen you particularly to serve you. Same thing goes with a nanny. A nanny that tells you, or a cook, that I love what I'm doing because of X, Y, Z. I see myself as a steward. But fast forward to another one that tells you, eh, in this same job, I've seen all kinds of uh, masters. Some people, the last one, the job I'm even doing now, said, the woman is so wicked. She does not even allow me to drink water. She tells me to take water from the tap. And all of us are the ones that are on and on. And you go on and hire such a person. That's a virus you're bringing into your home or into your business. Same thing applies when you're sitting back and the time has come. If you have a chance to ask any of the aspirants, don't ask their followers or those ones that come to be spokesmen. Because on the day of reckoning, the spokesmen are not the ones that will answer. The person, the principal will tell you, did I promise you? Somebody said that to you. Go and ask him. It wasn't me. Ask the aspirant. So for those that will be in smaller cases, you run into them. Ask them why they want the job. Why do you want to be president? And let the man tell you, oh, I've been, I've been contesting for this for the past 20 years, and I think that um, I really want to be president. Why do you want this job? Contesting is one thing. Why do you want it? Or the man turns around and tells you, you know, I have been the one, I've been the installation mechanism, and now, because I've been an installer, I think I can become the TV himself so that you can watch me. Emiloko, are you okay? No. Would you allow a nanny come into your home and say to you, Madam, the last person that worked for you was from my tribe. The penultimate person was from my tribe. And we all come from the same clan. This is my turn. So me too, I want to come and enjoy from your house. What would you do with such a nanny or driver? You really welcome them with open arms because they know why they want the job. Finally, you need to ask them a bit about themselves. If you're hiring an engineer, you need to know certain things about them. Whoever you're hiring, listen, friends, let's begin to see our political leaders as servants. Not servants in the world of servants or murder. No, I'm talking as stewards. They are stewards with responsibilities. When we use the word or the term civil servants, it does not mean that they are servants. But you know what? Those guys run our economy. Every time people talk about the economy going down, I say, hey, this thing is not, it's not the computer that has a problem. It's the people who go and check. You call them civil servants. But they are richer than their richest because they are not civil in their service. My parents were civil servants. I know what it was in the days when you had the Federal Civil Service Club in Koi. When you go there, they were truly civil. 
at least you will find men who were tenaciously sitting on the space of integrity, openness. But these days, they are the main problem of the society, but people don't know. So ask them a bit about themselves. Never mind their professional skills. Ask what type of human beings they are. Are you an ambitious person? Or you are going to get tired, and after a while, you just let the sheep coast. Are they going to be fun to work with? Those are questions you must ask about them. I can tell you that this is very conventional stuff. You'd probably be right. But I'm letting you understand that an interview is like any other research. That's why any moment you find yourself asking questions as an interviewer, you are trying to fill a gap. You are otherwise researching. So before you get to the information, you think having the information is everything. No. When you get the information, you realize that what really matters is how you interpret it. And it is in the interpretation that the real skill lies, not in the interpretation. So what do I mean? When you are interviewing, I want you to concentrate on two simple or some simple criteria. Number one, how did the person handle himself in the interview? When you look through in the course of your interview, person to person, people to person, person to people, good candidates are quick to the point and they give short, simple answers. They admit shortcomings and when they don't know the answer, they say they don't know. But they put this in a positive tone and say clearly what they can offer. Bad candidates throw mud. They start coming at you. They start telling lies. But good candidates talk more about future opportunities than past experience. So they are futuristic. That is part of what you watch out for in the interview. Good candidates make the encounter a warm human experience. They leave you with something that says, oh, I love that guy. I love that lady. I like our sense of, you know, togetherness. I like the thought around stewardship. They make the encounter a warm experience. If they are very comfortable in their own skin and comfortable with you, they will probably be good at handling the myriad of other people they'll have to deal with when they get the job. So you can actually feel this person. You'll feel that if this person becomes your boss, I beg your pardon, this person becomes your colleague, he or she will deal with the line staff better than you have done. If this person becomes your business manager, all your stakeholders or partners will feel the way you feel because this person is a good person. Why is that person good? Because he or she has demonstrated it just by the time you spend together. The other thing you have to look at is the level of enthusiasm. Enthusiasts come across with a feeling that makes you see positivity. Someone who really wants the job is far more likely to do it well. And it's going with a saying that simplistic but scarily true that people are either radiators or drains. So when you find someone that is a radiator, it radiates. When you see someone that is a drain, it draws energy from you. You come out of that interview feeling spent. Even when you are even going for a training, there are times you go into a training. I'm a trainer. I tell you that some training sessions you go into, when you come out, it feels as if all of your energy has been sapped. It means the energy in the room was very negative. But you get into some other space where they are radiating, you discover that they are very positive and they radiate the necessary energy. So my word to you, only hire radiators. Leave drainage to the plumbers. Hire people that radiate energy. Leave drainage to plumbers to handle. It's not your job to be a plumber. Anywhere you find any contact you have with someone who's draining your energy, that person is going to drain the team. It's going to drain the business. It's going to drain every opportunity that comes across. 
because he or she is not the right person for the job. The second thing I want you to concentrate on is not to be blindsided by the technical skills needed for the job, but you need to define the temperamental skills you need. A lot of jobs need determination. Some a fascination with details. Some need imaginative flair. But you need to be clear about the personality type you want. Then measure the candidate against that. Just look at the temperament of some of our presidential aspirants, even before the party primaries and after the primaries. You can tell. Now, let's take away the technical skills needed for the job because we don't know. You and I have not been, you know, president of a country, but I can tell you, by the grace of God, at least I preside and I presided over corporations as president. So this is not about the technical skills. It's about the temperamental skills required. I tell you that some jobs need sheer determination. Some need fascination. Some need imaginative flair. If you are not clear about the personality type you want, you'll be in trouble. So when you measure your candidate against that, if they are not a good fit emotionally on the line, emotionally, they are not emotionally stable, they are not emotionally sound, it is irrelevant whether they are a good fit technically. So you can tell me that this man is a maker of people, this man is, but he is not emotionally fit, forget it. You can tell me that this woman is so good, she's so soft, she's very, very energetic. However, she is not emotionally fit. Or she's not a good fit emotionally. It becomes irrelevant whether they are good fit technically. But if that person is a, a very good emotional fit, if the personality feels right, you will feel it. It's energy. It's a vibe. You will feel it. If the personality feels right, you have found your answer. That is, you sit there and you see that this person draws like a magnet. You see that you want to be around this person. You see that this person, you know, the ecosystem around you there is not negating something, but it's actually positively projecting. It's like electricity. Electricity has the capacity to electrocute. At the same time, it electrifies. So you are sitting in your house right now, or in your office, wherever you are. You put on a switch, you turn on a switch, you put on the lights, you see everywhere around you. Why? Because there's power. Now, that power is driven by electricity. You don't, do you see electricity? No, you don't. But do you go touch a naked wire? That's when you feel it. In like manner, when the personality feels right, you will feel electrified. You will feel the passion. You will feel the energy. You will feel the inspiration to connect with this person. That means this person has touched a nerve. That is the answer. That is a good emotional fit. But when you don't feel that emotional fit, whoever is going in, as president, as governor, as house of rep, you do not feel that emotional fit. Don't vote for him or her. If that driver, nanny, engineer, manager, director does not have a good emotional fit, even if he's the most technical in the skills for the job, do not go ahead because you've been warned. See, let me put it in pigeon parlance. And I heard this from my wife many years ago. My wife is from Edo. And Benden knew the carry last. I called Benden. I started to tell her. There was a day, you know, something happened many years ago. Early days of our marriage. Ah, my wife came out of his and body phone me. I'd never heard that before. I kept it. She said, body don't phone her. How you take put this thing together? Meaning there was an intuitive part of her that said to her, this thing is not right. But she went against it. But in relaying it to me, she said, ah, my body phoned me. Bros, auntie, if your body phoned you, 
about person where you want hire and you don't respond to waiting they happen now you go carry on with your head of course it helps if they have good and relevant technical experience but even if they haven't don't worry they will learn that fast enough when they are doing the job so it is better for you to have someone who has the right temperament the right emotional fit and is not so great with the skills on the job they will learn fast enough when they are doing the job and the onus will be on you to fast track them into the persons into the kind of personality you want technically speaking friends this is real this is what it takes to deal with people when we are talking about business you don't see that transacting business is serious many of us do not even understand that today as we are in this electionary season this is a business season it's almost like you are about to take on your business and you are giving it to anybody to come and handle your business your business will go down you'll be bankrupt so why do we allow anybody to just come and tell us stories and then become whatever they will become and when they get in there you think they are going to look at your face that's why the politicians don't look at our faces because we never challenge them as interviewers asking the right questions and i've said to you you must look at certain things how they handle themselves in the interview regardless of the position regardless of the technical skills needed for the job if they cannot come through with emotional fit don't go finally in a different way and this really matters if it gets to the stage when you have chosen them and you are not and you are negotiating terms remember they are still being interviewed anybody you are still you know taking through the process and you're going to get into the terms you have to remember they are still being interviewed you can find different kinds of people in my own case sometimes um, on some occasions i have found a really impressive candidate for a senior job but on those occasions those two guys and ladies were pedantically over thorough about agreeing the details of the deal that is they were pinching pennies they will say oh this uh, two naira here you know they go into the very details of the deal and sometimes i look at it, i said if this person is so serious about the very nitty gritty of the deal it's good while it is good i should have seen the warning signs in some of those cases but i didn't i saw it as a positive that being pedantically over thorough about agreeing the details of the deal see let me tell you something i believe a lot in giving people the best of support in high performance leadership one of the things i teach executives and mid level executives up when we talk about leadership and we talk about high performing leadership or high performing leaders one of the things that really puts a high performing leader on a pedestal is the ability to enable the ability to envision the ability to engage and the ability more importantly to execute when i find someone that is very pedantic about details i like it because the devil will be in the details however in agreeing the details of the deal that is the salary etc and then there is a philosophy around it i may say to you for instance rather than where you are coming from you are given a medical allowance of x thousand naira a month now that medical allowance you come to me and i say i'm not going to give you that medical allowance i'm going to put it as part of your salary but i'll put you on hmo now that hmo will guarantee you and yours an opportunity for you to stay and be treated whenever they are sick but you know some people will say no i see one that salary i see one that allowance paid that's the sign that this person lacks understanding but if you don't see those early signs enough if you don't see that these guys come with an entitlement mentality and they are a bit pedantic about their own needs they don't see the bigger picture that's a warning sign 
And if you don't tell yourself and show yourself that, you might be in a deep mess down the road. The truth is that any job offer requires a leap of faith on both sides. You can't iron out every potential eventuality in advance. Someone who is slow to decide before taking the job will be just as slow to decide afterwards. When you find somebody musing over the offer, musing over the offer, will come back again and say, hey, okay, um, there's this 5,000 naira. They say they want to pay me per kilometer whenever I use my car. Uh, but I use my car for official matters. How do they track it? And then the person comes back and you tell him, listen, because of this particular item, we are going to give you something that will make you track what you do with your car. And he says, okay, I get it. And he comes back again about another thing. Watch out, that person is not the right person to hire. Now, I want you to understand that if you don't need such pedantically overthrow people from the interview, you will be in trouble. They will not be decisive if they get the job. There will be a cardinal failure in management. You'll find they will not spend up to six months, neither would they even spend as long. So please, learn from these mistakes. If you find the right candidate and they are nitpicking and slow over signing the deal, you haven't found the right candidate after all. And rightly so. Learn from nitpicking that will come from some aspirants this political season until you find the right candidate. The right candidate may be there, but it may be in a lesser party. The right candidate may be there, or it may not even surface in the House of Reps because you're looking at logos. Go and research. It is painful to own up to that at the time, but it is better and more painful not to when you do the right things. Friends, thank you so much for listening. If you have a question or questions, please send a mail to contact at navigatewithid.com or you can follow me on my social media platforms. It's simply at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G and we'll have access to taking this forward. Thank you so much and God bless you real good. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.